This podcast episode is brought to you by Overdogs Bet. Sign up today for early beta access and free play at overdogsbet.com slash beta. I always say there's there's this weird thing. The UFC, it just always goes their way. It seems like every time they're in this sort of like bidding war with someone and they choose not to keep them, they leave the nest and they stumble. We could talk about countless guys who left, who got a big contract, and then it didn't come to fruition. They didn't, you know, live up to whatever hype there was surrounding them. And Mike's the, the lone example. Honestly, it would have made no business sense to make that fight. 24 hours notice, why are you making that fight? I, I don't possess that. I'm not that tough. Mike Perry's found his, what God made that motherfucker to do? It doesn't make sense, Mike. I do it my way, baby. someone in the fucking face. Just my style alone is the most entertaining. You know, that's enough tooting my own horn. Yeah, what's up, yo? It's Platinum Mike Perry, the official king of violence, baby. And uh, we are here with Overdogs Podcast with Mac and Ice Bags. What's up, fellas? How we doing? All right, it's episode 16. We're here, baby. Let's go. We got a good one for you today. Yeah, anything Yeah, we got got Ariel Hawani, who never does any fucking shows outside of his own, which if I was him, I wouldn't either, I guess. All right. I mean, you were just on there. You were just on there, King of Violence. He uh, he wanted you on. You you did a great performance, by the way. I thought it was I thought it was really good. Um, I mean, think about this, Mac. And and I know Mike doesn't want to say this, but I personally think now that Mike's stock is rising to a fucking level that there's only a handful of fucking UFC fighters that are even bigger in the in the fight sphere right now from a fan perspective. Yes. What do you think, Matt? No yeah. one's bigger than the King of Violence. <laughs> I mean, Fuck Conor McGregor. It, it's funny in public perception how bare knuckles been kind of uh, become to be accepted. It used to be like looked at almost like power slap, like this is too much. And then you look at like Mike. It's not just Mike, but it's a big part of it. You know, his fights have been some of the ones that I've seen the most social media traction where people are actually pumped for it. You know, like this fight card, everyone was like, you know, everyone was pumped for this one. Like, Mike has really, I, I tweeted something after after that fight day, and I said, like, who would have thought the two African, you know, people to come to the UFC, leave, and really set the standard for post-UFC careers would be Francis Ngannou and Mike Perry. Uh, Mick Maynard even commented on it and said, okay, that's funny. Like, Mike has really gotten to a point not really seen like like this. And, you know, that's why it's so special, so cool. Mike Perry's found his... What God made that motherfucker to do? It doesn't make sense, Mike. Like, I do it my way, baby. someone in the fucking face. Yeah. I do it my so, so way. So let me tell you... Yeah, let me tell you this, Max. So we were... We were uh, you know, wrapping up, Mike had fought, he had done the press conference, we were getting in the car, headed back to the hotel to have some drinks, you know, for the first, because he's been fucking training forever, so headed back to the hotel, and, and I stopped him before everybody got to the car, and I said, Mike, I just want to tell you one thing, and I was like, and I truly mean this from the bottom of my heart, I was like, a lot of guys sling around, I'm built different, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I was like, you are truly fucking built different, man, just truly, like, Nobody, nobody takes the fucking damage and then puts it back on somebody else in that fashion and continues to win and win and win. It's just fucking built different. Thank um, you, man. 
I kind appreciate of a I, uh, you know, it's weird in a world like today. So the maybe you know about the most viral TikTok of all time was from this girl uh, named Bella Porch. And she just did like this silly little video is like real short and it's got like 64 million views. And every fight that I have, I always make like a random TikTok. And they tried to delete my TikTok and said it went against community guidelines. And I didn't say anything. There was no cursing. And all I did was like, that's all I did, right? You know why they try to delete my TikTok? They put it back because I wrote an, an appeal. And I said, so this is why they deleted it. My eyes. <laughs> they said it it, it, uh, it was something about violence and this and that. And I was like, I wrote the appeal and I was like, um, I'm a professional athlete and I earned the makeup that I had in that video. So if you could put it back, like I would be super appreciative because my TikToks was actually finally getting a hit and they put it back last night. They're like, that's Mike, a- you're scaring the kids. Yeah, that's the, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> what the heck, dude, I got makeup on my face and you guys took it down because I'm that ugly. Come on, bro. Like Eddie definitely couldn't have made a TikTok. <laughs> oh. hey, he got permanently banned. <laughs> bro. Yo, but, but for real, my boy sent me right after the fight because they took a shot from uh, Mike in the press conference and he's got the sunglasses on and they put him next to a, uh, one of the California raisins with the sunglasses on, dude. Oh, I was yeah. howling, howling. <laughs> I didn't know what that the fuck that for you, was. For you, you younger that. kids, you got to look uh, yeah. up California Raisins. It was like a fucking thing probably back in the 80s. When I you know you that, 90s kids don't get it. When you sent it in the group chat, I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what is that thing? I was it like, was it Mike looks, Perry, man. The yeah, other one was California Raisin. I, I was like, I get it, but what, what the fuck is that from popular culture? <laughs> that thing is ugly. Not you, Dude, Mike, I the thought, fucking raspberry. I thought it was... Um, I saw something about you know Eddie Alvarez saying... A immediate rematch. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I realize I'm like, oh, this has to be a joke. Like, how can it be immediate? Like, you're gonna be out for about a year. Yeah. It can't yeah. be immediate. And then if even if the rematch was an idea, it's it's gonna be the same thing. Like, you guys wanna watch him quit again? Cause I'm gonna break his yeah. face again. Like easy. I, I don't get it, it man. And yeah, I don't get it. And that's another thing that, that, that me and Mike talked about as well. Is Mike was like, you know, well, you know I kind of wish I would have knocked him out in the first round, but I also wanted to go more rounds just because I wanted to fucking fight, right? Because that's the way Mike is. Like, he'd, he'd rather just continue fucking fighting, right? And I'm like, here's the thing. I was like, if you look at it this way, if you would have knocked Eddie out in the first round, caught him clean, knocked him out, the internet would have been like, Eddie's washed, he shouldn't have been the fucking ring, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, 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 right? It would have been all negativity. But the fact that he sat there and banged with you, especially in the first round, he banged with you. You came back in the second round, got warmed up, put it on him. He felt the power, and he quit. I was like, Mike, you've now made two world champions fucking stop. There's not, that's way better than a knockout, Mac. You know that. Anybody can catch somebody clean on a knockout, right? To yeah. make two guys say no mas is, is, is really impressive. That's yeah. I mean, 
Go ahead, Mike. You were going to say something. I was going to say that people, a lot of people, I mean, I should talk about all the cool people that are on my side. Lots of people have shown lots of love and respect and support, and they, they enjoyed the show and this and that. There's a lot of stupid people who who are like, you know, it's okay that you say, oh, his his corner did it. And, like, it was Eddie didn't get stopped. His corner made the decision. And, like, yeah, but Eddie didn't argue. No, Ed- My coach could never. If he had, he would talk to me and I'd be like, I, I can see. I'm good. This, that, the other. You know what I mean? And. And then people try to take everything away from you. Like beforehand, a lot of people will say, oh, I'm rooting. I got Eddie. I got Eddie. La, 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 la. And then after I do what I do and they're like, oh, yeah, but he beat you up. And then Eddie posts, oh, you're lucky you broke my face because I was <laughs> like, what, bro? What? That's not how it works, bro. You got to look at the, you know, look at the pudding, bro. The proof is there yeah. because... You know, it was four minutes. Right. That four minutes. third round. Could you imagine if he had to go fucking 16? That third round. We're, ta- we're talking scary stuff happening in that third round. 100%. 100%. Hey, Mac, you'll appreciate this. But, like, I mean, everybody was hitting Mike up after the fight. Fucking Tim Duncan FaceTimes Mike. I'm like. Hall of Famer Tim Duncan is out here fucking watching this shit. You know what I mean? No, it was That's Philly fresh, though. Y'all, yeah, it was Philly. having had Tim yeah, with him. So Philly's just Shout like, out to he's, Philly then. he's at the UFC show that night, and he ends up hanging out. I don't know. I think they were at Tim's house. I don't know. But he ends up <laughs> hanging out with Tim Duncan. He puts him on the phone. I'm like, damn, bro, Phil's out here doing big things, man. Fuck yeah. And also shout out, shout out to JT. Cause I got to sit in the corner and watch this. And I'm telling you, this is one of my big, one of my favorite experiences that I've ever had was just sitting in that corner. You know, I'll just say this. I'm the best ice man in the game. If anybody needs somebody in their corner, (laughs) rubbing ice on their back, holler at me. I want to know. He was holding that water though. You were holding that bottle of water. I had to, I had to reach through the ropes and steal the bottle of water. Stop it. I was trying to get the, hey, I was trying to get them arms stretched out for you because you were a little bit alligator arm in the first round. So I was just trying to get them stretched out for you. Oh, God. but shout out to JT, Mike. Give JT a plug because I got to listen to them in the corner, dude. And I'm telling you, JT is is so good with th- those two are so good together because Mike sits there and soaks it in, and JT saying, "Hey, this is what he's doing. This is what he's doing." Mike agrees. Mike went out, and made adjustments. So give a, a, a shout out to JT. I don't know what his boxing um, yeah it's, place uh, is. It's Technique Boxing in uh, Mineola, Florida. It's the number one team, number one amateur team. Three years in a row, they've received the trophy for number one boxing team in the state. Um, and listen, don't take my mistakes as JT's fault because in the first round, I made the mistakes I made. You got to make it through. And some people might say that it was still happening in the second round, but I definitely know different. At the end of the second round, he stopped hitting me completely. His shots were pulled. They were just short of my face. I was dodging him with the shoulder roll. I was slipping the right hand off to the side, hitting him with the up jab. 
and JT asked me for all of that after the first round. And um, I'm not going to lie, I didn't really hear him in the second round. I was just waiting to go back out there and handle business. And I just stood there, towed the line. And I was looking at Eddie sitting there extra long, like, what's what's taking so long? And sure enough. But here we are with the one and only Ariel Helwani. Welcome to the Overdogs podcast, sir. Our last episode had a great guest that's coming out, I think, today. And now we've leveled up and brought on the great Ariel Helwani, the nose himself. What an honor. It's a great honor to be here. Uh, Let me get this right. So you recorded an episode last week. It isn't out yet. So are we live or are we not live here? We're not live. Okay, 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 okay. I just wanted to make sure. And I hope Devin Haney doesn't take offense to that because you did say leveled up over Devin Haney. What? It's Devin Haney? Freaking One of the best boxers on the planet. But I appreciate that, Mike. Thanks for the love. That's a great guest right there. I love Devin. Big fight for him this weekend. Yeah, but I'm talking about, so when I say leveled up, I'm talking hits. I'm talking clickbait. I'm talking get people watching. And, I mean, I don't know how many millions every week are watching Devin Haney videos. I don't think he makes videos like that. So, Helwani is consistently producing footage every week, constantly. And so, to have him on the show... And get people to click on that, man. That's definitely a level up for us. And Ariel, just so you know this, Mike and I are going to be sitting ringside uh, at Haney Projects on Saturday night. So I'll, I'll make sure I take this clip and show it to him before the fight. Shout out oh, to Devin Haney bringing out the king of violence. Yeah, so I thought he was fighting Regis Progre. You said he's fighting Projects. Is that a new opponent? Yeah, or it's, a new, he... it's a different guy. It's okay, his it's cousin. A different guy. Okay, yeah, it's a cousin. Got, got, yep, yep, but yep. They're close Shut. first cousins. <laughs> Hello, Mac Malley. How are you? The internet What's legend, the, the baby up, face Ariel? of all baby faces. Nice to uh, formally meet you, my friend. No, dude, it, it's an honor for real. I mean, yeah, really. A friend nice of to meet yours you, named Amber hit me up, a uh, mutual friend of ours, and mm-hmm. she said that you were a mensch of all menches, salt of the earth, good guy. So uh, I'm looking forward to being on as well with you. Oh, Amber's awesome, man. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, you do know Amber, don't you? <sighs> yeah, she's great. Um, yeah, she's a yeah, she's a, she's amazing, man. That whole friend group down there. But yeah, dude, it's exciting, really exciting. I actually met you once, uh, when I was I think one of the first UFC events I went to. Uh, you were walking by, and you were on your phone, and I was you know I always watch MMA Hour, and yo Ariel, I didn't want to bug you, but you stopped to say what's up, talk to me for a second, and yeah, man, always been a fan. It's cool to see you what, it. like eight years later. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, the first time I met Ariel was in uh, Manchester for the KSI fight. Um, you were very gracious. We took a couple minutes to talk, and then you and Schmo started kind of like facing off. So I just huh. kind of backed out of the situation a little bit. But <laughs> no, it was all good. There was no face off. Uh, we we cleared the air uh, right there in front good. of the 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 way in public. So it was all you good. You know how powerful o- Ariel Helwani is. He told so so uh Dylan Dennis, Logan Paul, they face off. Oh, Tommy Fury, KSI, they face off. Ariel Hawani comes over and he goes, Uh that guy is over there that you were trying yeah. to fight. He said he's over there cutting a promo on you right now. Why don't you go over there and start a fight with him? I, I don't know if I said. By the way, I didn't I say it like zoomed, that. I, just said, I, I zoomed that. across. You did. Zoom. Oh, it's okay. No zoom. one's gonna do anything to you, Ariel. You got you got security. 
I zoomed across this whole warehouse building thinking that when he said he's right over there cutting a promo, I'm not knowing where he's at. He's across the warehouse on stage doing like a television promo. And I zoom across. I'm trying to hop fences. I'm trying to get around all these barricades. And then I get to the stairs and I climb up on stage. And my only regret is that I stood there like a weenie when he pulled his shirt off and I should have punched him in the stomach. Nah, it was perfect. It was like an old school episode of WCW Nitro circa 1998. It was. It, like they went <laughs> off the air. My own, And for the record, I didn't, I didn't say to go punch him or anything. I was just, you know, I had the comms in my ear. I had my IFB in and I can hear him talking a lot about you. This is Idris Virgo, who I guess there was some talk of you maybe at the last minute fighting on the, on the card. In any event, I think it would have been a nice addition. Uh, and so you were standing right ne- or sitting right next to me in the back there. And so I just told you that he was talking in my ear uh, and you did sprint all the way around. And then I heard, I was hearing them say like, okay, everyone, and we're out of time and we'll see you tomorrow. And it's like three, two. And Mike, I mean, your timing was impeccable because you literally made it there with three seconds left face to face, shirt off, rah, fade to black. It would have been a tremendous promo for an upcoming fight. Unfortunately, I think that you may have, uh, you may have now leveled up and, and are, are probably past that, that quote-unquote feud, whatever it was. But it was great on you. You owned that weekend. It, it's like one, you had one of the best weekends ever for someone who didn't actually fight. Like you were just everywhere. You were omnipresent and you didn't have to get in there. And I'm assuming you got paid something, right? Like I'm assuming they paid you a little bit, yeah, maybe I, not what you should have gotten paid for the whole week. But you brought a lot of attention to that. So well done. Thank you. Good question, though. Did you, did you ever get paid? Because about a week later, you said uh, I still hadn't been paid. Did oh, you wow. ever get paid? No, yeah, I got some money for that. A little bit. Okay. Tiny little bit. I w- I'm All not right. the backup fighter sure. anymore. That's for sure. I wouldn't be no, a backup right. fighter again. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I want these guys to come fight me bare knuckle. And they're, everyone's trying to make me... Everyone's trying to get their call, and I've been constantly busy since the fight. Like I was saying earlier, heavy is heavy is the head that wears the crown, man, because everybody's trying to get me to go fight them somewhere. Why don't you come over to this real shit? Come see me in bare knuckle boxing. I love I it. Why any, I don't know why Ariel, quick question for you. Have, have you seen somebody that's had more success converting from UFC with, with a very good career, right? Then Mike has, and, and just re- rising to the level of stardom that he has in BKFC. Have you seen many people? I mean, you could say maybe Francis with, with the Tyson Fury thing. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's very, but it's one. very odd and it's not often. No. Like, what it's, are your thoughts there? Let's count the wins here. Yeah. What is it? Four, four now? Five. Four, five, four, five. Um, uh, four going to Saturday. You know, it's, it's remarkable because, a lot of people need that machine. Like there, there were, there have been some people in the history of mixed martial arts that have been successful uh, outside of the UFC machine, but it's very rare. Like one of the the few that comes to mind is Mayhem Miller. He had the show on uh, MTV, and I know he was in the UFC for a couple. <laughs> yeah, of but he's before in prison now. No, no, no. But like there was a time. Don't forget, like in 2009, 2010, like Mayhem was like a legit mainstream star. He had a show called Bully Beatdown. Oh Unfortunately, yeah. things took a turn for him. But, I mean, he was very well-liked and people wanted to, you know, do business with him. And, and, and I enjoy talking to him all the time. And it's unfortunate that, you know, he's, he's having these issues now. Um, but your story is very unique because in the end, it seemed like the machine was kind of holding you back. 
And uh, now you've been able to show people that you can make a lot of money and have great success outside of the UFC, um, get paid, have freedom to do whatever you want. You want to pop up as a, and, and I got to give BK a lot of credit. I got to give David Feldman a lot of credit. A lot of promoters would say, no, I don't want you to be the backup fighter for Misfits, but he understands that it's good for you and probably good for him. Let's be honest. It's good for his brand to be talked about in that light. People are mentioning them with you at the same time. One name that comes to mind that I would say had greater success outside of the UFC uh, was Nick Diaz. Remember Nick Diaz was in the UFC for, for a while. Uh, he leaves, he goes to pride. He goes to, um, to strike force uh, a little bit of elite XC action in there. Robbie Lawler had a lot of success outside of the UFC too, before coming back to the UFC and then probably leveled up. But like, this is like, you know, we're talking two, three examples and certainly not in this yeah. day and age where there's way more UFC fighters and way less options for fighters outside of the UFC. So there, I always say there's, there's this weird thing. The UFC, it just always goes their way. And, mm-hmm. um, it seems like every time they're in this sort of like bidding war with someone and they choose not to, to keep them, they leave the nest and they stumble. It's like they can never right. do wrong. They just always have incredible success. Like we could talk about countless guys who left, who got a big contract, and then it didn't, you know, didn't come to fruition. They didn't, you know, live up to whatever hype there was surrounding them. And Mike's the the lone example these days. Well, they make it really easy. They make it really easy. Um, I mean, obviously, they have earned that. Uh, they're on the right channels. They're on the right apps because everybody's smart TV now. There's an app for every channel that you want to watch. And it's like, you know, everyone, I think, has the same reaction. It's like, what's it on? And then you tell them the app and they're like, oh, I got to put a new app on my TV. They're like, oh, I don't I like how it's set up right now. I didn't really want to put a new app on my TV. But, right. you know, they Thank God for me that they put that new app on there and they watch a much more exciting uh, spectacle with the bare knuckle boxing, uh, in my opinion. I mean, some obviously, don't get me wrong, some of the biggest fights in the UFC, you know, you watch a whole card and it's like sometimes the fights you don't know, they give you good shows and then the, the main events are like lackluster and then other times every fight is ugh. And then the main event is the fight that you wanted to see. So, you know, but that's the name of the fight game. And it's each individual fighter that makes it special for the people who want to watch for them or for the new fans coming in. And um, that's where I shine because I am I am those fighters favorite to watch when it comes to an exciting event and a fight to put on. Cause I, I just, my style alone is the most entertaining. And I'd like the, uh, the brutality of the bare knuckle stuff, you know, but you know, that's enough tooting my own horn. You know what I mean? I well, got, I'll just say, it seems like you're having a lot of fun. And I would imagine there's a lot of fighters who look at that and say, man, look how much fun he's having. Look at the freedom. He gets to be himself. He gets to dress the way he wants. He gets to talk the way he wants. Mm. You know, he's the king of the castle. Uh, I have my issues with the BMF title, and it's not because I'm trying to be a hater. I just don't know what it really means and implies. Uh, historically, the baddest man in a particular weight class is the champion. The king of violence belt w- was like born for someone like you, and it was born for a promotion like BKFC. I, I, uh, I think it's perfect what they did with it. Um, there was Thank actually you. some talk of the rock was the one who put the belt around 
Jorge Masvidal's waist in 2019 at UFC 244. And David Feldman, being the smart guy that he is, he's like, how can I get someone bigger than The Rock to put the belt around the first ever King of Violence champion? He's like, I don't know anyone. And then he thought of me. And unfortunately, we couldn't come to terms, but it was it was an offer on the table. It was it was close, uh, and it would have been huge. I, I would. What would you say? How many more pay per view buys would that have been, Mike? Like a hundred, two hundred fifty? What are you talking? Like three hundred? Anyway, maybe the next one. Maybe the next one. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Negotiating, no negotiating live on air. I love it. No, no. I'm not gonna lie. I am grateful that it was Mr. Feldman himself that put that oh, belt around damn, me. Damn. Okay. Um, no, that hurts, that's like no that. knock on you. <laughs> but Feldman has done a lot for me and my family, and for of course. for me, it was a ridiculous idea. I, I should not be in there, and that's why I said ultimately no, and never even talked about any sort of arrangement. I, I'm not the that is not a place for me to be. That's that's for the promoter. I'm I'm being facetious, of course. That was Love ah, so Ariel. Quick question, because we do we do talk about this like the the, the changing landscape a lot on this show, right? Um, because we talk about all kind of all, all, all the leagues, all the combat sports leagues. It's not just UFC. And where do you see the landscape going five years from now, 10 years from now? You've got, you've got lawsuits against the UFC. You've got people like Mike getting paid huge amounts. You've got, you know, stars like, like DJ leaving, like Francis leaving to, to, to make more money. Where do you see the landscape? Maybe, maybe a potential fighters association just like every other mm. you know major sport on the planet you know what do you think what do you think the landscape looks like in five to ten years i mean five to ten years is a long ass time yeah I mean, it what is are we? It 2023 is. Uh, think about where the sport was in 2013 you know um Oof. but i will say i'm a little bit disheartened at the moment um the ufc is a juggernaut and they are so successful and it's the UFC, and with all due respect to any other promotion out there, I hope they don't take offense to this, but there's only two combat organizations on the planet who can announce that they're going to a town and tickets will sell out without a single fighter or fight announced for the card. And that's UFC and WWE. Uh, and you may not like that I'm putting them in the same category, but the point is like, they can sell tens of thousands of tickets without a single fight attached. You know, BKFC isn't doing that kind of gate on Saturday in Utah if Mike Perry versus Eddie Alvarez isn't announced for the card. Right. You know what I'm saying? Top rank. Yeah. If top rank announces that they're coming to Newark, people are like, yeah, and who's on the card? Oh, Shakur Stevenson's on the card? All right, now I'm going to buy tickets. So you, you, have to, you have to give props where it's due. And I find that the gap between them and all the other MMA organizations are only getting bigger and bigger and bigger, or it is only getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I, of course, know that PFL acquired Bellator. I think that's good and bad. Um, it's bad because... I like the fact that fighters have or had another option to to seek, to negotiate with, to have leverage with, to say, all right, if I'm Sergio Pettis and I'm leaving uh, the UFC, well, I could talk to PFL, I could talk to one, I could talk to Bellator. Well, now one of those options are gone. It's good because I do think that the guys behind PFL have a vision and are smart and are aggressive and they're going to give these guys a good home and they're going to pay well, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's the good and the bad. But there aren't as many options as I would like. For example... Uh, I'm a huge boxing fan. And so I know that if I'm a free agent when it comes to boxing, take Devin Haney, for example. Devin Haney was was fighting uh, under the matchroom umbrella for a very long time with Eddie Hearn. And then he realized in order for his career to progress, he had to go get George Cambosis' belts. George Cambosis was, was top rank. So he had to leave Eddie Hearn and go to top rank and fight in Australia twice, get those belts, become undisputed champion in 135, and then come back to Eddie Hearn. Does that happen yeah. in MMA? Does that freedom happen? No. In boxing, you have matchroom. 
you have uh, Queensberry, you have Top Rank, you have uh, Golden Boy, you have PBC, you have Boxer. I mean, I just named six promoters, solid promoters, not to mention the others off the top of my head. We don't have that in MMA. And so I wish that there were more options. That's why you see a lot of fighters look at boxing, look at BK. I'm talking MMA fighters here. Um, and I wish there were more options as far as MMA is concerned. I do not think there's going to be an association anytime soon. Uh, I thought in 2016 it was the closest it ever was. And when I mean closest, there was just someone that was willing to stick their neck out uh, for something called the PFA. Uh, and they showed up to a couple of events. And for whatever reason, no one signed up. Were they afraid? Were they trepidatious? Were they anxious? I don't know. But no one signed up. No one wanted a part of it. Um, and, and, and that was that. I've, I've not heard of any sort of movement whatsoever to galvanize the fighter, this class action uh, lawsuit that you're talking about is the first time that there's been sort of like a collective voice, if you will, and we'll see what transpires there. But ultimately, I think the UFC is only going to get bigger. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with their next TV rights deal because at the end of the day, their deal with ESPN really took them to the next level, and that's up in two years. So if they get an even bigger deal, they'll get only bigger and stronger there. And uh, I'm curious to see what happens with PFL. Can they truly be a number two? They're, they're striving to be a co-leader. They're not going to be a co-leader anytime soon. Meaning, when I say co-leader, no one is going to touch the UFC. Like They need to come to terms with that. You could strive to be number two and have big moments and big fights, but the UFC is, is Kleenex, is Xerox. They are mixed martial arts in most people's eyes. And then my question is, who else is going to emerge? Is one even going to be around? Is there going to be a number three? There needs to be a three to five as well. And we don't have that right now. So it's a little bit bleak, I would say, if you're uh, a, an MMA fighter looking for options. But as far as the UFC is concerned, make no mistake, like the UFC couldn't be healthier and stronger than ever. It's just the rest that I'm a little bit worried about. Sorry yeah, for the long NFL, answer. NFL and like XFL. Like, Oof, yeah. I mean, yeah. so the thing is, like, I get what you're saying in terms of the gap, but I would say that the the talent gap isn't the same. Right. Oh, like, no, right. absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Pa- there, there is no patchy mix in the XFL. There is no Johnny yeah. Eblen in the XFL. Mm-hmm. It's just 100%. It's just like the, 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 the difference in terms of ticket sales, gate. I mean, I, do, I don't know what the PFL did for their last pay-per-view, the one two weeks ago. I know <laughs> the ballpark that they did uh, for their first one last Black Friday, talking 2022. And it's like, I mean, it's, 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 it's nowhere in the stratosphere of what a bad UFC pay-per-view does. I would say that the pay-per-view business for them shouldn't be something they look at, but that's that's you know I that's agree. their call. So I agree with what you're saying in terms of like the gap in terms of market share, but the talent yeah. gap isn't the same. Hundred percent agree. Yeah. Yeah. Hey Mac, I want to jump in here real quick. I know Mike, my, Mike's uh, Mac's kind of our stats guy. I know you like stats too, Ariel. But uh, Mike has been like saying, "Hey, get, get me a stat. Get me a stat on my own fights." So, Mac, why don't you give him this stat? And it doesn't jump out at you, but it's pretty fucking shocking when you think it through for a second. Okay, well, so, first of all, I'm not like a math or stat wizard. It's just there's sometimes stats that I do remember or retain because I think they're interesting. But, Mike, I've been looking for you. And because you're a brawler, you know, a lot of times I I knew you'd have to be on some type of, like, there'd be something about your stats. Um, when I got to your bare knuckle stats, dude, I was looking through them, and what I find, like, I, I, can't, I looked at one, I looked at the next one, and I go, damn. Then the next one, I'm like, wait, hold on. And then the next one, I'm like, holy shit. Essentially, looking at your bare knuckle stats, you 
statistically go like one for one shots over uh, the course of a fight every single time. So if I told somebody, like if I asked you guys, all right, this fighter has four fights. Look at his stats, like dead even. How many times do you think he won? You'd be like maybe half of them, like maybe two of those. Those are all so close. And I said, okay, no, he won all four. And then you go, okay, well, what the fuck? Well, what those stats trying to tell you now? Then it, you tell I tell you how he won? I'm like, look at his face. Like, look at the finish. He finished him here. Same amount of punches. Every single fight. This motherfucker hits. Like, what is this dude doing? Like, does this guy have Tony, El- like, Tony Ferguson's elbows for knuckles? Like, that, that stat stands out to me when your stats are dead even in four fights and you beat the shit out of the last four guys. So it stands I out. Know I think that's weird. I want to know who's counting. Count <laughs> punches and shit. Like, <laughs> these motherfuckers are paying attention so well. Or do they have lasers? Are there computers that are counting every motion that's like a shot or like a faint or a, a significant? That's a I, I don't know about BKFC, but I know yeah. back in the day, um, Fight Metric had a deal with uh, with UFC, and then it became UFC stats. You know what I'm talking about, Mike? No, I'm thinking of the guys on the side with the clicker. Oh, I watched him land a jab. Oh, I watched yes. him land two, so the, one, there's two, three. The, you, know what they, you know what they had back in the day uh, in the UFC? They, they would have like three kids. I'm talking like 20-something-year-olds with old school video game um, controllers, like from a Dreamcast or something that was connected what? to the TV. And they would sit there and like, a, they programmed the controller, like A is a, is a jab, B is a leg kick, C, because there's so much more than just the clicker for boxing, right? And I was fascinated by these kids. They would be in the back where I would do the interviews and there would be three different monitors. And I think like one guy was in charge of the red corner. One guy was in charge of the blue corner. And then one guy was for something else. And they would sit and you, they would look like they were playing video games of, of live footage. And that's how they would count it. Um, and I wow. would be blown away by how would how would they like is anyone going back and, and checking these? Because it's what all happening very fast. Button? That, yeah, in that, real time. I don't know if real they go life, back like Guitar them. Hero for MMA. That's yeah. real life guitar yeah. hero for MMA. And dude, that reminds to watch me, like them. the kids that play UFC four and shit, like yeah. Marshall Mind, you know, all those guys, they could probably sit there and do that. You wouldn't even you wouldn't even need to recheck. You'd be like, yeah. Especially for BKFC where it's two rounds of all pressure, right? Yeah. I think you were actually when Mac told me this last night, I was sitting here, he was texting me, and I'm like, this is really fucking impressive. Because it's two things, right? One is you're just you're eating the punches better than everybody else. And then two, you're inflicting more damage when you do when you do punch. Like that's the only way that you go undefeated on a dead even number like that. That's the only way, right? Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. you I think you were way ahead um, in total until that first round with Eddie. And I think he he landed like fifty more fucking shots than you did, and that kind of brought it up to even. When did you think you broke his orbital? Much, like, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, like, and that's the thing too is there's. There's there's the viewership of people who watch and who think they know what they're watching and they really don't know what they're watching. And then there's the fighter who's in there who there's a there's a momentum and there's um you know, when I brought that pressure, I knew it was breaking him down as every punch touched me. I felt him losing energy losing control of where he was in the fight and finding my own 
you know, uh, balance to everything. So, you know, there's something that can't be taught and it has to be, you know, I am like one of those wizardry kids who's when you watch them play video games, they're just they don't miss a button. You know what I'm saying? It's like I'm not missing buttons in there because that's my playground. That's where I do my shit. And like Ariel Helwani wouldn't miss a statistic. This motherfucker knows everything about everything. So like that's me in the ring. It's like I know exactly what's going on and it may look one type of way. And that's the thing about being the king of violence. That's why it's so fitting because I know shit that y'all don't. So, Ariel, what do you think is more demoralizing? And, and this, this leads off of Mike's point. What do you think is more demoralizing? The fact that, that you realize that he hits like a Mack truck or the fact that you realize that every time you throw a fucking punch, the guy just keeps going forward? I mean, I feel like that's, that's, that's a question better answered by someone like Mike who's been in there. Yeah. But I've, I've asked this question before. When you feel like you're giving it your all – and you're landing clean shots and the guy isn't you know isn't getting rocked isn't getting dropped isn't getting phased mike would would you say that that is the more quote unquote demoralizing this is, this thing this is what i thought of last night i was thinking and i have to be honest here a lot of people gave me love this should be um you know a lot of people should like what i have to say here uh a lot of people gave me love for the vicente luque fight I was one who was like, he got the damage, you know. Um, I hit him with shots that I thought should have penetrated him and done anything to him. And his face took them very well. Um, he, I remember his face when he looked at the camera after the fight. And he's like, he's like trying to see if he had marks on his face. Yeah. Maybe he had, obviously, shots do deep penetrable damage that you might not see. I know maybe he had at least a little bit of a headache, but my point was in that fight, I knew I used speed and a lot of technique and I kept running and I, I never put my foot down and drove him back. And it was in that fight later after that fight that I told myself and, and probably decided that, I needed to be the fighter that I was, which is platinum pressure. I put pressure on people. I bring it to them no matter what they hit me with. And I make sure that when I hit them, I hit them significantly harder and make make it count. So, you know, I, like I said, a lot of people kind of are like, oh, you won on the, the cards or you looked good in the fight or whatever. And uh, obviously I still held my toughness in that fight and, but there's no there's no points for that. You don't get participation trophies in this. Um, you don't get points for poking me with weak little shit for two rounds and then you quit on the stool because I broke your shit. That's what counts. Damage, baby. It's all about putting it inside of them and impregnating their face with your fist. Can I ask you a question, Mike? Uh, I noticed, like, even when we spoke yesterday, you've used the word penetrate and impregnate a lot. Are, are we are we trying for another? It just seems like you've been using... 
use that Ariel, like he, he doesn't have sex for like two weeks before his fight so okay. now he's, oh, he's very hold that, on now I mean, even that's actually yeah. not true i actually smash all week i just don't finish oh i go God. in the ring with blue huh? balls like a mother oh, big Bro, that is blue fucking, balls and that I, is nuts. it's like if i can sacrifice food and drinks to make weight then i'm like girl i'm gonna please you and i'm just gonna quit i'm just gonna stop in the fucking middle and i'll bring myself right to the the painful edge and be like and just only back down like like a jedi wizard bro that is insane mike mike edges himself he tempts the devil during fight wow (laughs) they either like bro you either retain or you you don't believe in that shit mike's like fuck it i'll flirt with the devil that is insane mike that's <laughs> fucking insane dude yeah. so ariel i got a question for you you're at the top of the game mm. you've been doing this for so long like how much fucking fun are you having right now uh it's been a great run man it's been a great run you know there's been uh there's been a lot of different chapters uh i started in 2006 so you know i can't believe that i'm approaching year 18 here this is this is crazy to me um and even before that, my first MMA radio show was in 2001 at Syracuse University. So I'm well past, uh, you know, 20 years. And I'd have guys like Bruce Buffer on and Don Fry on and Dan Severn on back in the day, uh, ordering pay-per-views off of UFC.TV and things like that. Um, so there's been there's been so many different permutations and chapters and things like that. Uh, I'm really enjoying this one. Much like Mike, you know, the freedom to do things like the Misfits event that I saw you guys at. Um, getting to pop in and, and, and do something for DAZN there. Uh, I'm working on the, the Jake Paul card next weekend in Orlando. That's fun. I've gone to do stuff for Showtime, uh, for TNT Sports in the UK when it comes to you know boxing as well. I'm really enjoying the boxing stuff too and, and doing the MMA hour twice a week. It was always once a week. I love the fact that I get to do it twice a week now so I don't have to have so many guests on on Monday and I, I can let it breathe and talk about more things on the show get to do a different show with my my friends uh, over on the ringer where we talk about kind of like the news of the week from like a journalistic perspective uh it's just really fun man to um honestly have the freedom and um not have to worry about what i'm talking about or what i'm saying i i really did enjoy my time at espn uh, i have no regrets whatsoever i look back on my time my three years there with great fondness but by the end, it was starting to feel like a little bit like it was, you know, a circle in a square because I just couldn't talk about things that I wanted to talk about. And there's, I feel like to a degree, a misconception that I just want to talk about negative things, that I just want to talk about anti-UFC things. I mean, if you look at my show yesterday, it was just like a glowing love affair with Saturday night's fights. Whether it was the UFC fights or BK or boxing, it's a, like I, w- I would argue that 95% of the stuff that I'm talking about is positive because I want... I recognize this is a shitty world and there's a lot of negativity out there and there's a lot of things that make you down and I want to be the escape for people. And so when I hear from someone that like, Hey, I had a crap day or I'm listening to you while I'm delivering packages or mowing the lawn and stuff like that, like that's the greatest compliment that I could ever receive that someone chooses to listen to me or watch me as an escape from reality. There's nothing greater than that. Um, No different to a degree than like Saturday night, someone that has a shitty week and they're looking forward to Mike Perry versus Eddie Alvarez, which was the talk of the week with all these great fights. And all they want to do is sit down with their friends 
and have wings and drink beer and watch these guys entertain. And so I would never compare myself to the fighters in any way, shape, or form. But if there's someone on a Monday who's feeling down and just needs an escape and they say they want to listen to me, like that's the best. So that's what keeps me going. And like a show like yesterday was incredible. And I feel so lucky that, you know, Mike has a big fight on the Monday. He's on to start the show. And then we go to Brady and then we go to Davison Figueredo and then we go to Misha Tate and then we go to Dan Hooker in, in New Zealand and then we go to Armin and then we go to Mike Chandler. Like what, you know, yeah. what, what, what a life. I can't complain. There, awesome. I won't lie. There are times where I feel down. There are times where I feel, you know, frustrated or things like that. That's everyone's job, but there's nothing to complain about. And um, so, I feel very lucky that all these years later, I still have a relationship, not only with the fans, but with the fighters as well, that they still want to come on and talk. Um, and I, and I can help, you know, get their story out because honestly, like at the end of the day, all the, you know, I, you, you asked me right now, like which fights happened two weeks ago. And I have to take a minute to think, cause there's so many damn yeah. fights, but it's yeah. the fighters and the personalities and the stories <sighs> that make me interested and, in, and, in, and in make me have the same sort of passion for the sport that I've had since, since I was a fan, since I wasn't even covering the sport. Um, so in short, sorry to go long, uh, having a great time and, I just pray it doesn't end. I'm always afraid that the dream is going to end and I'm going to have to go do a real job somewhere. And uh, I hope that time <laughs> doesn't come anytime soon. I feel you. I feel I you so guys. much on I, that. I was one of those guys, Ariel, like straight up. Um, like part of why I even started a Twitter or anything was just because I didn't have anyone like in real life that really – I had a bunch of friends that trained at like Jackson's and stuff, but like it, I wanted – I delivered water. Like actually, so I'd be delivering water, and I remember every Monday when it was my favorite day to do it because throw on Ariel, listen to you. Thank you. Didn't have anyone to talk deeply about the sport, and that's where I found in Twitter. And that's so. I mean, actually, straight. I mean, straight up, you were my favorite one to listen to back then. Every Monday, always, always, bro, always been a fan. And so it's just a pleasure. Thank you. What changed? Why you say it in past tense? Who's your favorite now? Oh, dude, I'm. If I'm being honest, I'm kind of like I just fucking around. I'm I just do. Missing. No, you're the only one. You're the only one I still consistently listen to. But I'm just I'm not. No, I, I know, but I'm not. I swear. I just don't really consume that much media about MMA anymore. Just the fights. You said you, you couldn't and I both. compare yourself to the fighter, and I was sat here thought, well, I couldn't compare as the fighter to someone like you because I look at all those books and I thought. I bet he's looked in every single one of those fucking books. Oh yeah, I've read them thinking, like ten times. I've done as many push-ups as, as there are words in those fucking books, but I haven't looked. I may have looked at like five books. So <laughs> I'm just saying. There's book smart. There's street smart. I do yeah. want to say this. There's there's some there's some life alpha in what you just dropped, right? You said you were 18 years on the grind. I my my original business 18 years on the grind. Mike many years on the grind right? In the fight game to get to where we got now. And now, now we just have a little bit of freedom. Now we get to do what we want to do. And people think this shit, this shit is easy. They look at you. They look at Mike, they look at us and they go, Oh, it's, you know, somewhat of a, like a, Oh, everybody thinks it's like an overnight success, but it's not to get to the point where you have the freedom to do what you want is an absolute grind. You always end up working for somebody else to climb that, to climb that ladder. And then after all those years of hard work, it finally pays off. So there's some life alpha then in what you just said. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, man. I mean, uh, it has been a freaking grind. I mean, when I started, 
when I decided, so I went to Syracuse University. Uh, I want to be a broadcast journalist. I grew up in Montreal. No one around me is dreaming the same dream. And so I say, I'm going to go to Syracuse because that's the place where the best broadcasters go. And then I get there and everyone has the same dream as me. And so this is 2001. The UFC at the time is not even eight years old yet. And uh, I tell my parents, everyone here wants to be the same. And I never wanted to be the same as everyone else. I always wanted to be different. So I said, you know what? There's this thing called MMA, which at the time, like MMA was kind of a new word. It wasn't MMA at the beginning, right? Um, I, I I love the sport. I watch all the pay-per-views. I'm going on SureDog. I'm going on the UG. I'm going to, you know, there's no Howard Cosell. Maybe I could be the Howard Cosell of the sport. Maybe I could be the guy. Maybe I could be the voice. And so Saturday mornings, I'm doing a radio show in a tiny room at 8 a.m. when most kids are, you know, have, you know, sleeping, most kids in college. And I'm waking up and interviewing fighters and talking about pay-per-views and things of that nature. Back then, the pay-per-views were on Friday night. And, uh, I mean to think about where the sport has come since then and to be able to like kind of grow along with it through all the ups and downs. Uh, it's, it's been wild. It's, it's like, I couldn't have, uh, I couldn't have asked for a better life. And, uh, that's why like, I'm so passionate about it. And, and, uh, I, I fight to try to keep my spot and, and, and try to be as, you know, relevant as possible. I care so much. That's why I've never, I've never, Mike could attest to this. I've never had someone in the, almost 14 year history of my, my current show, the MMAR, which at ESPN, I had a different name, but it was the exact same show. I've never had a single person book a guest other than me in the history of the show, right? Like when, when you are on Mike, who reaches out to you? It's always me, right? I, because mm-hmm. I want that connection and it, I meet, I care so much that I, I want to be the guy to like create the show, put the show together, pick who's on the show, all that stuff. Um, and I pray that that, that feeling that passion never goes away because once it goes away I'm, I'm the kind of guy that if i don't feel it i want nothing to do with it anymore and Real truth be told it, it, it hasn't gone away yeah yeah i hadn't i, I didn't know that I, I mean i love that yeah, factor the, though um because you know you have to have a personal touch and what you're what you're running right you're running a business and, and to have that personal touch no matter how big the business gets is is easily relayed to every single person that you that you touch and you do business with. Thank so you. Yeah, you, guys, you guys have an email. You guys even have a guy who sends me like a super your professional email is more professional than anything that I've ever sent to any <laughs> guest in the history. I was like, wow, look at these guys. They got a PDF. They've got a guy sending out emails. Like it's me sending a Zoom link text to Mike. That's what it is. <laughs> I love yep. it. I love it. Man. I like it that way, though. It's simple for the fighter. You know what I mean? I'm oh, just yeah. like, yeah. it's yeah. easy to do that way. But that's part of, like, kind of my question is, so I'm trying to branch out and make myself more into all of this. Like, I try to get, I try to get some guests, and I try to work it, and I get frustrated doing it, and I want it to be better, and Obviously, we got the guys with the emails who who handle things behind the scenes that makes it easy. But like when you really started blowing up, because like now that I'm the king of violence, I've been so busy since fight night, constantly on the phone, talking business and making making plans to go here, go there, see this, do that. And, um, you know, how did you like... Uh, schedules, you know, when your schedule really filled up and fills up and you got so much you need to do, do you just, you're like, okay, I'll find a way. I'll make it work. Like, we'll just do, I'll do do one call to the next call to the next call or like, 
you know, how do you organize a schedule for all of these things? Yeah, uh, that is part of the charm. And by the way, can you guys hear me? Because you've got another guy yes. even writing questions. I mean, like you've got like a whole freaking army back there. I see this other dude, who's Pavel. <laughs> he's writing in the chat here. I'm like, what? Where's yeah, he's Pavel a at? lot like you, the other guy. Brains. Okay. He, you right, guys cool. could probably be cousins. Sounds like a good guy. I could use a Pavel in my life. Um, it's just, it's just, I'm, I'm an, I'm an insane person. And uh, trust me, there are times where I get turned down or I shoot for the moon and guests can't come on or they're unavailable or there's this or there's that. Um, you know, it was a super interesting uh, experience to have. So last NBA season, I did an NBA podcast or a basketball podcast for Showtime Sports. I'm a big basketball fan as well, among other sports. No one knows who the F I am in the NBA. And so I was reaching out to people left and right. And there was one day where I was probably either ignored or turned down by 25 or so people. Man, it was humbling. It was free. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, this is what it feels like back in the day. And not to say people are, you know, banging down my door to come on my show. Like, I got to reach out and ask and, and all that stuff. But luckily, I at least get a reply uh, at the very least. In this basketball world, I was getting nothing. And it was very, very humbling. And it was reminding me of, you know, the early days, the uh, the humble beginning, so to speak. Hmm. Um, and there was a time when I started, no one knew who the hell I was. Or I didn't know a soul in the sport. My my My... My beginning days, I would sit in my apartment, my 500-square-foot apartment on the Upper East Side of New York. I had a table in one corner of the room. My girlfriend, who's now my wife, had a table in the other corner. In our, in our kitchen slash living room, tiny, tiny apartment, one bedroom, one bathroom, nothing. And my, my job for the day was to send out 20 to 30 either emails or MySpace messages to fighters just to get them on my show, which was not even like a real show. It was my website that I would post audio interviews because I didn't have a show. I didn't have anything. And I would get, you know, one reply, two replies, and I would be over the moon. There were some days where we would celebrate the fact that George St. Pierre wrote me back. Like I, I would say, like, let's go out to get pizza because George St. Pierre wrote me back. Tito Ortiz wrote me back. Chuck Liddell wrote me back. They, I didn't know a soul. And I just kept going going and what i tried like in my mind i was like okay you got them be professional be courteous be respectful be gracious don't take up too much of their time so so that once you get them you got to work for the next time right so that when they hang up they're like oh that kid you know that wasn't so bad next time he asks me i'll say yes but if i take two hours of their day and i ask them all kinds of bullshit questions and i'm disrespectful and this and that they're gonna be like screw this guy you know it would have ended very quickly um so you always have to think about the next one and the next one and the next one and you have to stay on top of it like again mike Mm. could attest to this like when you're on the show i'm probably sending you like three texts before you come on i'm Mm. asking you and then i'm reminding you and then i'm sending you the zoom link and then i'm reminding you before the show and it's always for me because i'm a psycho about this stuff i'm crazy because the last thing i want is to promote that my show's live so mike perry's gonna be on everyone wants to hear from him huge night huge weekend huge win and then he doesn't show up or he's 10 minutes late because guess what happens? I booked the show too damn tight to where if you're late 10 minutes, then that means the next guy's late. That means the next guy's late. There's a domino effect. I don't know why I do this to myself. I've had many people say, <laughs> get a booker, get someone to help you. Every show that I go on, there's someone else reaching out. But I, I'm a psycho. I don't know. I, I guess I care too much. I love it too much. I think I, there's no, there's, I, don't, I don't use drugs, but there's no greater high for me than reaching out to someone 
and they say yes. Like Mike, Mike. That's I only out- because you don't use drugs. That, that is your drug. Uh, I reached out drug. to you, and like you didn't reply. And I and the worst, by the way, is like the guy has a big fight. You probably had three hundred texts on your phone. So yeah. like I have to break through somehow. So then I have to send you like a a hello emoji. Like I'm a little incessant. And then fi- and then and then you tell me about your flight. So now I have to move things around to get you in at the beginning because I wanted you at the end uh, to build up to it because that's when you know like the, the 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 full viewership is there. But you know we made it happen, and and there's no greater feeling that I was like, Fuck yeah, I thought I opening the show was pretty cool. No, it was great. It was great. But in my okay. mind, I lay it out. And I'm like, all right, he probably wants to sleep in. You know, blah blah blah. But no, I, I t- I'll take you the first minute of the show. I don't care. It doesn't matter no, to me. I appreciate um, you working but, out, working it with me. But but you know, like you didn't reply at first, and then I went to the PR guy, and then the PR guy couldn't find you. Oh my god! And then god. I was like, Bernie go to Abe. Would not stop hitting Ber- me. Bernie's oh. the man. <laughs> Bernie's the man. I love Bernie. But it's like, yeah, no, he's great. He, I like Bernie. It's just he this is on it. By the way, it's the greatest high. It's also the worst part of my week. I hate it. I wish it would go away. During the pandemic, I did a show with Daniel Cormier, DC and Helwani, and it was the best, if only because on Sunday nights, I didn't have to track down these crazy fighters to book them on my damn show. We were like, why don't you send them an email? Sending a fighter an email is the equivalent to throwing a pin in the ocean and then trying to retrieve that pin. They ain't checking that email. You got to go straight to them. No chance, right? You checking your email, Mike, for for an invitation for me? Mike's probably got an AOL text message that tells me to check my email. Right, right. But but I do lo- I do love that because you know you're like at the top of the game right and you're saying okay now I went to NBA and I got humbled and I oh. feel like for for me from over my career Man, I got humbled guys, many times bro. you know what I mean but and it's always so disappointing in that moment but then when you look at it a year later you're like fuck you know what that that humbling moment taught me something it brought me back to the ground a little bit and it helped me to grow as a person as a businessman or whatever. So it's, it's, you know what? We all need to be fucking humbled every once in a while. 100%. No, I don't regret it. And I think by the end I made inroads. But even when I pop in boxing or if I do some pro wrestling, people are like, fuck this guy. What does he know? Or who does he know how to interview? And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, man, like ah, I've been doing this like for all these years it's and they're treating me like some jabroni. It's crazy because on social media, like we be those guys that are getting attention and like people know about our fights and shit. And then... Those guys who are saying, man, who is this guy? Like the NBA and the, if you're not like the top of the top in the NBA or in boxing, like who the fuck are you? No one knows who the fuck you are. So you better put some respect on Helwani's name because he's trying to get you some attention with your boring ass. That's that's when you told that story, that's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, I don't want to assume, but I would kind of assume that they must not have understood at all you you have to have a bigger following than most people working Media really runs the, the show yeah like there might be sideline reports like you got aaron andrews in nfl and stuff like that like dude you're you are it's aerial you know you cover it i think that's a yeah i appreciate they, they that. messed up yeah they but you know I, I like the challenge of trying like i definitely sure. don't want to just be the mma guy for the rest of my life i never want to stop doing mma but um Hell yeah. Why can't I be the boxing guy too? Why can't I be the basketball guy? Why can't I be the, just the general interview guy? I just want, yeah. I love interviewing people. If I could interview people every day for the rest of my life, I will be thrilled. And they don't have to be fighters. They don't have to be athletes. I just really enjoy interviewing people. That's what I really, truly enjoy the most. And so I could stay in the comfort zone and just remain the MMA guy. 
But that would be no fun. We only get one life. I mean, Mike could have stayed with the right. anime guy too. You got to do now some TikTok there. dances like me, bro. Like, yeah, I don't yes. know about the TikTok. I haven't quite. I mean, I have a TikTok. Shout out to my guy Spencer. He uh, helps me with that. He's incredible. But like, I but... do the TikTok dances on Instagram. I I did every fight though. I post like one TikTok that start. I'm starting to get by yourself some or someone teaching you. I'm doing it by myself. I just watch. I just watch the younger generation. Like, and now I have kids. And like, as a fighter who's played a game his whole life and fighting, I don't know. It's kept me kind of. And my wife is like six years younger than me, so mm. she's super hip to. And and my boxing coach too. He put me on like, oh, if you go to a city, you look up stuff to do on TikTok, and they'll give you the best. Like options of restaurants to go to and things like that. Like TikTok is where you really? go. Really, I didn't even know that was a TikTok? thing. Yeah, bro. Like if you want to find restaurants in cities, go to TikTok and look up stuff there, and then you'll see these amazing videos that people post of like all the food options that this restaurant wow. has. How do you even find that? Would you search it? Like if you're in Austin, there's a search, search bar on TikTok. I, Google I don't really look up, you look up Google brunch, reviews for me. brunch in Salt Lake City. Ah, oh, that's brilliant. Okay, yeah, absolutely. TikTok's the, the spot. Like, like the whole wait staff doing a dance at the restaurant. Yeah, or what is it? Like, like after I beat after I beat people's asses, I go and do TikTok with my. They, I was telling them about this earlier that I made a the most viral TikTok of all time was the Bella Porch TikTok where she just like she just does that. And I did it with my black eyes and they removed the video because it incited violence. And I wrote them um, an appeal and was like, hey, you know, I'm a professional athlete and I earned the makeup I wore in this video. So please, like, I think you got this wrong. And they put my TikTok back on. So, yeah. So then I posted it on Instagram and it's getting hits. Like every time I knock out somebody's teeth or break their face, I'm doing a stupid little dance. I would love to see you do a stupid little TikTok dance. There's some videos I think it of me go out viral. there. By the way, when you went on the on the scale on Friday, did you do the DX chop? Was that what you were doing, or were you doing something else? I saw. You, were you going like this, like DX? I was doing the John Jones suck it, suck it, right. well, with suck all due respect it. to John Jones, people, I mean, he's great. people were that's. Yeah, but suck it is from that's from DX. You know what DX is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Triple H, Shawn yeah. Michaels. That's what John you did was it doing. coming out to uh, the to the music too. That'd be sick. You did. So here's I, here's an idea, Mike, because I know you paid. I don't I don't know what you paid, but it had to be a twenty five hundred dollar dinner the night before the fight, right? You had twenty people, and it had to be a twenty five hundred dollar dinner. Now that TikTok has fucking restaurant reviews, you just need to say, look, fellas. I'll do a TikTok dance, and then you guys just take care of my bill. You'll never pay for food again. Wow. I mean, I only need that for like just just advice before the fight for the twenty people that I'm fucking paying for. But yes, I pay for everyone to eat. I you know I try to I pay a lot of people, and once I get paid this week, I got a lot of people I need to pay. I spent a lot of money on. I went and picked up my dogs from the hotel today. That was a little bit. I got. I paid for babysitting during the week. I paid for. I paid for flights and travel. It's like I'm damn near Dana White over here, paying for all these damn people to just come be a part of my show. It's my show. Amelia, Amelia fight. You'll be fine, homie. <laughs> By the way, your dog stayed in a dog hotel. Yes. 
You never wow. heard of this? No. Of this? <laughs> That's so incredible. when I used to when I used to live in Miami, there was another dog hotel, and my dog was never allowed. He wasn't neutered, so he was never allowed to like play with mm. the other dogs. But he's a sweet dog. So now, you know, I feel bad. We finally castrated him, and mm. you know, but now he was finally able to play. Because most dog hotels won't even take an animal that's not neutered. Uh, so we now that we got him neutered, we finally were able to get him into a dog hotel. Otherwise, we pay people to come to the house and watch him or someone has to stay back and take care of the dog. So, hmm. um, you know, they get playtime and then they get put in a little six by six room or whatever. And sweet. So, so Ariel, who 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 are your favorite guests of all time? You need a kid and, and hotel. Who are who are your least favorite? You may not want to say that on air, but like huh. I know I know as as an interviewer and as somebody that gets close with the fighters, just in a personal sense, like who are those guys that you really love to have on because you know that you're just going to have a, a banger episode, you're going to have a good connection, and then and then if you want to, maybe some of those guys that are just like you get them on and you're like fuck. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, other than Mike, of course, he would be at the top. Yeah, I remember our first ever interview. Uh, it was pre-Zoom days. It was during Rampage. the Skype days. But you didn't have yeah. Skype. You were on the phone, and you were coming, I think, out of like a bank or something. And you said you had like a ton of money. I asked you why your nickname was Platinum, <laughs> and you gave me a great answer. This was, I believe, after your debut. Yeah. UFC 202 range, right? Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. I just um, never had the money a... before, so I was like, let me get 10000 and I'm just walking no, around. Cash. She's like, all cash. That's what it all was. Cash, it was great. Um, but, man, I mean. Uh, the yeah, Rampage days some... are my favorite for you. Yeah. Like, with yes. you, he was he was so the... funny. Yes, he was tremendous. Was legend. Uh, Rampage, obviously DC, Chael, have a mm. good connection with them. Yeah, but you be um, beefing now with Chael and DC, don't you? Nah, or not DC? Nah, nah, nah. I mean, we're all good. We're all, listen, friends. Friends beef sometimes. We have disagreements. We have arguments. But uh, no, we talked a thousand <laughs> times since. It's all good. It's not you the same. You and Chael have me laughing. <laughs> so mad. Bro, the, the thing was crazy about the Chael thing. I was like, man, I guess a lot of people didn't know that we had a show together or friends. Cause I see people being like, Oh, chill owns you. Like what? This used to be a common occurrence on our show back in the day. Maybe not that intense, but it was pretty damn close when we did the show for ESPN, Ariel and the bad guy. Um, Demetrius Johnson, uh, I've oh. always loved talking to him. Um, it's hard on the spot to, to think that there's been so many guys. Um, uh, you know who I always would love having on back in the day. I'm trying to think of like the old school guys. Now, um, King Mo, Mohamed Lawal, very, very smart when it comes to the fight game. Gegar Mousasi, very smart when it comes to the fight game. Uriah Faber, Dominic Cruz. Um, man, there's been so many. Uh, Anthony Smith these days uh, is a great guest. Um, I love talking to Izzy. I love talking to obviously Anthony Conor Smith kind of came out of nowhere. Just He came yeah. in the fight. He had some success in some banger of fights. And then wouldn't you know it, the guy, the guy can talk. And he gets he's on great. the mic and he commentates and he and he does behind the desk and he just kind of came in and took over. How did he do that? He's great. He's he's very uh, he's very smart. Uh, Anthony Smith is. I always say to him, he's he's the greatest texter in MMA history. You have never met someone, Mike, who texts with more uh, perfect punctuation. This guy, uh-huh. every period, colon, <laughs> comma, semicolon, he is. 
he is, is it's almost freakish just how well he texts you know like we all take shortcuts and stuff like that not anthony smith um he's very well spoken he's actually one of those guys i honestly think he should be in the booth not at the desk like i'd like to see him calling fights as an analyst you know the the role that dc or rogan or uh bisping or cruz or felder has i think he should like there's sort of like a process for some of these guys where they go from the desk to the booth or some just stay on the desk some get to the booth whatever uh anthony i think would be an amazing asset maybe even on contender series if they want to build him up and give him some of those fights or, you know, um, some lower level uh, organizations. But yeah, no, I mean, Anthony's a great story because he was a guy that sort of was kind of like, you know, floating and a mid-tier fighter, you know, wasn't really going on a run of any kind, wasn't fighting in big fights. And he's really, you know, developed a personality and has given us great fights. He's uh, He has a fight coming up against Killer Rancho, although I may be dating our, us because this might be coming out after that fight. If, if it's coming out after the fight, it was a great fight, and I hope you it all might, watched yeah, it. Phenomenal. It was an amazing fight, one of the best fights of the year. Um, Congrats, yes, Anthony. All those guys. And as far as the ones I don't like talking to, I mean, you could probably guess. Give me but if one I'm, at least. If I'm being Give me honest, one at least. there's like there, – There's a bunch. No, there actually isn't. No? I swear. I swear. I swear there actually isn't. I used to get annoyed when people would say to me, like, one name comes to mind, Rory McDonald. People would say to me, like, oh, man, it must suck talking to Rory McDonald because he's kind of a little bit dry. And I love yeah. those guests because I love the mm. challenge of trying to break them down and trying to get their personalities out and trying to have interesting conversations with them. Like, I, I really do enjoy that. So I, I can I can find the challenge in talking to anyone, and I really do enjoy that quote-unquote challenge. Um you know, I'll see some some newer fans pop up and be like, oh, the whole sport hates you and this and that. And I'm like, the whole sport hates me. Uh, did you see the guests that we had last week? Yeah. Like usually somewhere in the range of like 11 to 12 guests. There's, o- there's, only, one, there's only one group that I ha- don't have access to. And those are the guests that are managed by Ali Abdelaziz. And there are some UK. Even within – UK? No, I was thinking, okay, I get what you're saying, Ali Abdiaziz. I mean, I was thinking no, the UK of Patty Pimblett. You had beef with Patty. Yes, 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 but I mean like as a group. There's obviously, look, there's good, there was a time Ben Askren put out on Twitter that he wanted to beat me up, that he legit yep. wanted to get into a yep. fight with me and you beat me up. You could win that fight, dude. Yeah. But now Ben and I are I like super cool, and he's been on my show a gazillion times since. So there's ups <laughs> and downs. I just said the, the just dominance kidding, guys, I can't get on the show. There's a caveat, though. Um, yeah. because Ali, you know, told him not to come on. But then there's fighters within his stable, Kayla, Derek Brunson, a lot of the non-UFC fighters that are more than happy to come on. It's really just the UFC guys because he's convinced them that, you know, the UFC will hate them if they come on the show, which is absolutely ludicrous. There were six UFC fighters on the show yesterday. But um, <laughs> other than that, like, there's... I, I could count the beefs on, like, one hand. If that's what you're getting at, like, I could count the beefs on... M- not Maybe not even all five fingers. Um so you know, yeah, I'm not and, even and saying it, I'm not even saying you, beefs. And, I'm just I'm just saying I'll, like I'll just add like think about how many yeah. fighters have been around the sport since I started, yeah. thousands upon thousands. You know, yeah, right? Um, if the beefs are even ten, the ratio there is what one percent point one percent. So I can live with that. Not everyone's going to like you and be you know your you know your best friend. That's just the nature of the business. Yeah, especially with the internet age, right? Like. Like Mike, you know this. Like Latori's, we're getting, we're in the locker room after Mike's fight, right? And Latori, first thing is, she's looking on Instagram and reading mm. off the comments, the negative comments. And we no. were like, we were like, put the phone down. 
Like, yeah. That is so irrelevant. You're talking about random people on the fucking internet yeah. that have an opinion on something they have, they know nothing about. Right. Like what's the point? You someone just have to ignore it. Someone told me recently, look, I, I'm not trying to be some like preacher here. I'm, I'm yeah. addicted to it too. I fall for the traps. It's not healthy. It, I, I, I wish it wasn't a thing. I wish we didn't care. But someone said to me recently, like our minds aren't hotel rooms and uh, we shouldn't let people check in and out, especially people that we don't even know. Like what the mm-hmm. hell? We would never Ooh. ask these people for any type of advice. Preach, so we're just letting these, well, yeah, Preach. we're just letting these people fucking squat in our brains. Um, so I, I am, I'm, this is like my thing right now, trying to break habits. Right. I would, I, I'll admit, I would wake up, I would turn, I would get my phone. First thing I do, I check Twitters, I check my mentions, I check this and that. I'm, I'm, I'm sometimes only checking it to like 9 a.m. I'm going like three hours without checking it. And that's a big victory. And it's kind of sad that that's a victory, right? That right? we're so addicted yeah. to it. But I need to break that habit because life is, is too short and too great to let, you know, complete strangers ruin um, our moods or our days. And by the way, it's an amazing it's an amazing commentary on society. I bet you Mike that you got you know like if we boiled it down to 100 comments it was 99 to 1 in terms of positive to negative. But yet as human beings we tend to focus on the one. And that's mm. sad but right. unfortunately true. Someone you'll, you'll get a thousand good comments and you'll scroll right through them and then someone will call you a bitch and you'll be like, "Man, fuck that guy." And you'll fixate on that. Why is that? Why it, why do we fixate on that? So I'm trying to break these personal habits of mine. And, uh, you know, I that's, that's my big goal. That they're obviously lying just to get like, it's an obvious lie. It's like if 99 people were like, great. And one person's like, bitch, you're like, damn, that guy's mom's getting fucked by his neighbor right now, bro. Oh, no. And his dad no fun. is at work and knows about it. We call that in Puerto Rico, a cabron. Okay. <laughs> see, yes. Good to know. Yeah, but I mean, like, I started, I started because I never had to deal with this before. And then when we started the podcast, I'm looking mm-hmm. at the YouTube comments, and I'm like, the fat bald guy, he needs to do this and that. I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm like getting fixated on yeah. it a little bit, right? And then I just quit reading them, and I'm like, you know what? Here's the thing. Here's the thing, internet trolls. All of us here get to do the fucking most fun things that we want to do, and then we go back and we hang out with our wives and kids after. You can't fucking beat us. You can't. Yeah, but Dude, they those, those said, little boy. bastards have a good time. They, they got six accounts with no fucking picture, and they're like, "You're a fucking ugly piece of shit," and I hate you. And they go have pizza and drinks afterward, like they did some. When I started, when I started uh, this whole thing, my skin was so thin. I mean, it was, and I think most human beings who aren't Everybody. doing like. It was like thinner than this piece of paper right here. It, I mean, it couldn't have been thinner. And so that's been a great, uh, you know, exercise to try to toughen the skin. And I and I think I'm 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 in a much better place then than I was back in 2006. Uh, but it's not you know it's not normal to wake up and 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 look at the phone that you text your mom and someone's like you should die. You suck. Like for what? What? Cause you didn't like my show. Well, what are you, yeah. what are you so mad about? Uh, yeah. um, but again, here we are so. fixating on it. 99% of it is love, but we fixate mm-hmm. on the negativity. Well, we're just trying to, like, this has been and a lot of alpha, a lot, lot of life alpha on this show. Mental toughness is a hundred times bigger than fucking physical toughness. Yeah. Whether you're fighting okay. or whether you're not fighting. 
Mental tough. Mike tells me all the time. Like when Mike came here and trained with, uh, with me and Roy, and, and uh, I was like, you know, I was like, I can't do this fucking cardio. And Mike's like, Mike looks at me and goes, dude, cardio's all mental. He's like, it don't have anything to do with physical. Mental toughness is always 100 times bigger than physical toughness. You just have I'll to take go ahead, Mac. I know you had a question. Uh, I, I lost it, honestly. We've Good had job. Too. Yeah, it'll come <laughs> Great back. job it'll there, Mac. It'll come Grab back. another Bud Light, buddy. I wanted to ask Mike a question. I actually uh, forgot to ask him one question on uh, Monday. So I feel like this is a good chance to to ask you or last Monday when we spoke. I asked you about a whole bunch of uh, potential opponents, but the one I didn't ask you about was the one that Feldman was kind of pushing at the post-fight press conference, which was the immediate rematch with Eddie. And I saw Eddie pushing that on Twitter as well. Uh, do you have any interest in this? Um, so I didn't hear that, but um, – I didn't hear it at the press conference or whatever. I was back changing after I left the press conference. I didn't know that they did that. And like I said earlier, when you were on, I was like, it can't be an immediate rematch because one surgery on two pieces of broken or two broken places of orbital bone He's going to take quite a while to come back and heal. Um, I've already heard things about, you know, a quick turnaround for me. Um, So, I mean, look, if they want to give me another check to do it again to this guy, because I'll I'll gladly do it again. No problem. It would be the same story. There's no way, especially in a quick uh, in a rematch where he's got to go train for it again. It's not like he wasn't looking good or doing things right. It's just obvious that I had more than him and and just in the right places. So I put my punches in the right places. I would break his face again. Sure, you want to give me another free check? Bring it on. You want to do it in Philly? You want me to smash his face in his own hometown? He probably hits me less next time because I won't be as willing to just allow him to do so. So, sure, man. You know, it sounds crazy to me that he goes on Twitter and he goes, you're lucky you broke my face. Uh, Otherwise, what? Otherwise, what? You would have had to come out for the third round and possibly not made it home that night? When do you think you broke his orbital? Because... It, oh, I know where it was. When he started scrambling, like, dude, he turned it on at one point. Like, just, it was like that kind of thing. They said in the commentary that it might have been a slip. Like, he clearly hit the gas. And I was thinking, oh, I think Perry probably already fucking broke something on him. Because there was, he's. There was two spots. That makes a one lot was, of sense. One was a, one yeah, was it, a right hook. Tell. One was a right hook that caught him. And then mm-hmm. also when you wobbled him really bad and bounced off the cage. And then you guys grappled for a second, and you caught him with an underhand, with an underhook or an undercut. That was, I uppercut. was like, that's that's upper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> underhook, <laughs> under grappled, blah, 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 shoot, yeah, the, whatever. The, that, there I'm was saying, two, those two shots right there were nasty. There was two body shots I hit him with too. That yeah, made him go, slammed him, slammed him. I heard him go, him. and I smiled. Yeah, I want to know this. I want to know this. Who do you want to see next? Mm. We got. I mean, look. Think about the potentials. Anthony Pettis, Connor, Jorge. There's probably others. What, what would you like to see next, Robbie? Man, uh, you may, yeah, Ooh. you mentioned Robbie too. Uh, I mean, the one that has like 
the most potential for fun and the backstory and everything is you and Darren Till. Uh, yes. I would love to see it. I would love to see you versus Darren. I'll, I'll, I'll rifle them off. I would love to see you versus Darren Till. I'd love to see you versus Nate. Will he come do it bare knuckle? Yeah, well, that's the he thing. Won't do it. I, I, I don't he know. Won't do it. I'm just talking about like who would I would who I would love yeah. in a in a fantasy world to see you the build up like you, the other thing that's been fun about this ride that you're on is like you have become the destination for all these guys who are kind of like taking the leap to freedom right like the MVPs of the world I know it was sort of like a brief freedom but uh you know he he left the 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 nest and then he fights you and I think he had a lot of fun and, and look at him now he's a big free agent um, Rockhold. Eddie. Is he not signed? Uh, it's close, but it, I keep it's, hearing this. Okay, yeah, Rocco. I, I would be surprised at this point if he doesn't go to the UFC. It makes too much sense, and I think he wants to be in the UFC, but it is not a done deal. Um, so Darren Till, uh, would be would just. I mean, the buildup would be so much fun. It would be so. Now, much did fun. he really be... tweet afterwards saying, "In bare knuckle, he would beat me." Quickly, uh, or was that just other pages making this up? I don't he had know. gloves on. He had gloves on when he when he tweeted the video. He had gloves on. <laughs> I promise. It would be great. All right, so so platinum. Can we can we talk about the fight league just for a second? Yes, I would Should love we? that. All right, so we are currently in the works to start a fucking the platinum fight league. Oh, platinum okay. pits. All right. And we're talking about four to six ounce gloves. Four okay. boxing. Oh. Four ounce. So four it's, ounce it's boxing? Boxing. Yeah. Knockout power. And then you get all the guys that like like the Darren Tills. Yeah. Like that's all right, Darren, here it is. When we get this done here shortly, you're gonna be the first fucking offer for Mike Perry to fight boxing style and four ounce gloves. So is this Tell straight me you don't up want to fucking rules? see that. Little bit BKFC, BKFC, little bit BKFC, little bit little right? clinch, 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 and what about the? Can we drop the golden? The rule, the golden rule would be, you knock them down, you get five seconds of ground and pound. Ah, uh, wait, okay, well, are you going to be able to get the sanction? Karate combat yes. has those rules. Yes, straight up. How? how so, what are the gloves going to be like? Fingers. Yes, or is it yeah. gonna be like straight clothes? MMA no, finger, just like so you, like oh. like BKFC is is an open, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can get it sanctioned. Okay, well, you're gonna, you're you tell, you tell me people MMA don't want to see though. that. Four ounce yeah. MMA gloves, basically. That way four we could that way we could go after boxers. Yeah, this is by the way, this is what PFL was talking about. Francis Ngannou, Deontay Wilder was essentially these right? rules: boxing, but with four ounce gloves. You want to make so, this a league. So I've talked. Oh, yeah, no, no. We're, we're, we're already into it. Um, Roy Jones is, is going to be commentating with oh. Mike Perry whenever. whenever. Um, so, so when you were saying Anthony Smith, I'm like, hmm. Huh. Because we need, we need a, uh, you know, somebody, somebody in the middle. Mike, Roy. You need, play by, I've already, I've, you need a play-by-play play guy, though. You need like. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. You know, who, who do you like Well, for this? Um, in uh, Ariel in, Hawani. I mean, he's not bad. He could be a bit of a jerk, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I heard he's too a, expensive. A popular <laughs> instigate. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, it's it's tough. There's uh, you know, McMally may know what you know. Ben the Bane is good. He's I was, young. I was gonna say, yeah, throw his ass in there. Yeah, uh, you guys know mm-hmm. Ben the Bane Davis. He's young. He's yeah. hungry. 
yeah, or you like, could go like super old school, like Jim Lampley, but he's probably super. That's what we were talking about. HBO I was actually boxing. talking to Roy about this, uh, and he's well, like, "What about, about Moronello? Moronello is now a free Lampley. agent because there's no more Bellator and Showtime boxing. I think Moro is right. incredible. I, I love Moro. I, I love Moro. Yeah, he's, he's unbelievable. But you tell me that people don't want to watch that four ounce gloves boxing rules. And here's the here's the kicker, Ariel, is it brings in so many guys like Darren. If you're yeah. listening. You don't want to fucking fight bare knuckle? You've already fought in four-ounce gloves. Let's do it. I've already talked to a ton of pro boxers. They're ready to go. And you're, you're funding this league? So we're raising on it. Got it. I'll hit you behind the scenes. Okay. Well, you want me to maybe be an investor, 10%? Yeah. Come on. Uh, Bring I, it. Want it to, I want it to be called HFL, HFC, <laughs> Kiwani <Yeah>. Fight League. <laughs> All right, here's here's what we'll do. We'll do a, a starter matchup, <laughs> and we'll do Mike versus Ariel in four ounce gloves, and whoever yeah. fucking wins it gets Die. to name the league. Oh yeah. <laughs> Would, we'll do we'll qu- do twenty ounce gloves. The question twenty ounce gloves. The question yeah, is, does yeah, the fight it. last two seconds or one second? I mean, one punch. And I'm done. Uh, I want nothing to do with that. I don't want to be a fighter. I've never wanted to be a fighter. I don't possess no? that DNA. I don't possess that. I'm not as courageous as these How guys. How are you around the fight game this long and just I, not want to? Why? I you know like what? I love being around but the no, fight game because I love talking on. to people like like Mike, yeah, like yeah. true warriors, courageous spirits. I don't need that. Stupid, like that's like crazy some, son of a guns. Yeah, it's fun. I enjoy it. It's like when I was a little <laughs> kid, I loved the pro wrestlers, and then I graduated to the boxers, and then I graduated to the MMA fighters. But I've never said I want to make that walk. I, I don't possess that. I'm not that tough. I know that. All right. And people use that as a shot. Like when I was on the stage at Misfits, or like look at you walking away. Like you think I wanted to get pelted with a water bottle? Does what would that prove? That I'm tough? <laughs> that, I, like, that I hit my glasses? Like what? Oh yeah. What do you want me to? Yeah, try you know, to prove? you can't I, be never... that expensive if you were there at that show doing that for them. You couldn't oh, be that because they weren't paying fucking much at all for sure. Because that's it was why nice. they didn't make that other fight. They saved Idris, in my opinion. We tried. Try, I was gonna take a huge pay cut. Then they tried to talk shit on social media. That's all they did was it was all fake bullshit. They tried to say I outpriced myself. You know how much fucking money I just made, dude. Here's the thing, honestly. Um, well, two things. Number one, they couldn't make that fight because they paid me all the money. Number two, just <laughs> uh, number two. Uh, Sorry, Mike. Uh, it w- it would have made no honestly. It would have made no business sense to make that fight. Twenty four hours notice. Why are you making that fight? First of all, all the Look, tickets have been sold. The gate has they already were been damn near free. It was damn near free. They yeah, would have got, and it would have been event. the one fight on the card that had a real. Fucking... Sure, but that would that's the main for event. You, why would you make that fight, Mike? You wouldn't. Because no. I wanted sense. to beat the shit out of him. That's why. Oh, I get that. But to me, they should come back to you now and offer you a shit ton of money yes. to main event the show. Main event. God knows where. You don't you don't give that away for free. And that's essentially what they would have been doing. Well, that's why you know I'm I mean? the athlete and I have business partners like management and all that shit because I'll fucking walk outside and fight yeah. for free right now. Right, no. It's good you Ariel, have those people. I shit you not. I wake up, I go to the hotel with them in Manchester, and Mike's like, Yeah, I think we're about to get a fight done. And I'm like, <laughs> What? With who? And they're like, Idris Virgo. I'm like, I'm Googling the guy. Yeah. Primo looks at me and he's like, yeah, he's from Love Island. And I'm like, Mike, 
you're not fighting fucking third on this card. Like yeah. you got a you got a million dollar fight coming up in BKFC in like a in like six weeks, bro. You're way past that. I said this. I was like, once you're at Ferrari level, you don't fucking fight Volvos, bro. It's done. Like that's done. Especially not on twenty four hours. But Mike's notice. like Mike's trying to fight the fucking yeah, guy but for free. You pull free. up at the light. And you pull up stands. at a red light like Fast and the Furious, <laughs> and the guy's talking shit about your Supra, and he's you know he's like uh, talking about his retail price, and and you know you take off at the light, and he's like, oh, I'll give you a hundred k if you fucking beat me, and you smoke him. That's a free hundred k, bro. That's true. You know, now that you've told us kind of what you do leading up to fight week, um, it makes sense why you'd be so aggressive and be willing to fight anybody. <laughs> Fuck your management. If you're edging yourself all week, bro, I'd be pretty pissed. No, he's an that's animal. <laughs> that's animal. I've never wrestled in prison. Mike, 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 Mike would have fought Idris at the press con- outside the press conference for fucking free yeah. just because he's Mike and he's hyped up, right? I like, think the only person doesn't think that's Idris or know that. Like I don't, yeah, bro. We we yeah, almost got two fights. We almost got two fights in the fucking stands. I I like Idris. Uh, I I had met him for the first time that week. Um, I think on the Friday night he tweeted something like that you were afraid, and he got killed for it. Like, got, oh, uh, thank you, I everybody. I really appreciate it. Like, mur- he did get murdered. Yeah, he got because killed because I'm for not that. afraid, like, man. Give that, me a the break, one dude. Bro. At least don't way, say that. Like I'm not sure. fucking afraid, dude. I honestly think no MMA fighter is afraid of anyone. I think it's it's, it's maddening when people say, "Oh, they're ducking, they're afraid." Like this, it's they're afraid a of me in a bare knuckle fight, though. Fair enough, but that is uh, fair to say that about Platinum Mike Perry. I mean, he and it was a ridiculous comment. It was a Thank ridiculous you, sir. comment. I really appreciate uh, it. And he and the and it was very funny to see the tweet. And then uh, I may have magnified it by retweeting it a little bit. And then I think everyone <laughs> everyone came and it was like, bruh, this is not the one. This is not the one hey, to talk Ar- about hey, like that. Ariel's like, yeah, just stoking the no, fire. No, I was just baby. like, okay, let's, uh, let's yeah, see. Mike, come over here. Hey, Mike, come over here. Idris is talking about you right nah, now. Come over here. I was just trying to help Mike's the guy like, out. He was sitting there, you know, all by himself. I was just trying to help you out. That's all. I sat there first. all night like a good little bitch fucking yeah. sitting there waiting I did say hi to Tommy. I like Tommy. I was like, hey, man, I wanted to say hi to John, but, you know, he was so focused on, he, oh, my God, dude. The one thing I saw that I did not see on any of the footage was when John Fury was mooning KSI, dude. Oh, yeah. on stage and shows him his ass. My cameraman was, like, right there, fucking caught a hell of a view <laughs> Yo, your cameraman's Danny gave professional. Me the video. I like your cameraman. Yeah. He's great. He does a great Danny's job. Great. Shout out Danny Mosaic. Shout out Danny. He yeah. makes yeah. art. Shout out Danny. Great guy. Ariel, brother, we don't want to take too much of your time. You're already, you've already been on here for an hour and 20. Yeah, you say this after you took 80 minutes of my time. God. Yeah, right, didn't, right. Want to take too much <laughs> didn't you get paid? Is that, yeah, I paid you, what, $50,000 oh, for an great. appearance, right? Yeah, I mean, that's a going rate. That's a going rate. Deal. Best deal I've ever yeah. had. No, Look honestly, that, I, I felt like this was 30 minutes. I had a blast. Thank you for Appreciate having it. me. Thank can you I, can so I throw you much, one? Bro, for coming can, I, on, can I throw you one MMA lore question real quick? People, yeah. MMA what? I asked MMA lore. Oh, okay. And I get, like, it's funny though. I asked people what they would maybe want to ask. One good question. And I think this is probably the funniest, oh, here it is. funniest one. Yeah. What did you see on Dustin Poirier's phone? Uh, that's a great <laughs> question. Uh, 
you know what's so funny about that question? It just speaks to it speaks to how much bullshit there is on the internet. Because mm -hmm. this video that you're talking about is from an interview that we did back in 2019, April of 2019 in Atlanta before his yeah. fight against uh, Max Holloway for the interim mm -hmm. title. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a bullshit video. It's an, an edited video. There's nothing. Is it really? Yes. Is it really? Yes. And it still lives. It still lives. No, but he it, said, it, whoa, not that one. No, it's, it's an edited <laughs> video. He says to me, I don't remember what we're talking about. The premise of the, of the, um, of the interview which was mm -hmm. actually a really cool series of interviews we did it with him, with Izzy, I think Kelvin Gaslam too. Anyway, we were I would sit down with them and we would watch old fights, and uh, they were telling me like what they're thinking and all this stuff. And so he wanted to tell me something about one of the fights that was on. Again, this is four years ago now, and so he's looking through his phone. And he's like, "Oh, not that one." And then whomever made this video edited it together to where he says, "Not that one," about something else, and then shows me like looking away. And it's all it's all spliced together. None of that is real. That that Damn. whole exchange did not happen like that. So I hate to myth bust here. I didn't see anything <laughs> inappropriate. I didn't see anything that I shouldn't have seen. It's all bullshit. It's if all nonsense. If you were caught red-handed, hey, you just Dustin, gave you the you, perfect sell for like no, it's man. not it's real. I love Dustin. I would that's, I would take a bullet for Dustin. Yeah, thanks, homie. But uh, it's it's not. It's nothing. You wasted Word. your one good question on that one. Sheesh, you could have asked. Did, that you, get to see, hey, did you get to see what... any of uh, Dylan's videos or no? no? I see. I want nothing to do studio. with those videos. I no. want nothing okay. to do with any of that. <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I got virgin eyes. I hear you. There you go. All right. But there you Ariel, go. Thank you. Appreciate thank you, bro, you coming on. Bro. I know you don't do any shows. Uh, had a blast with you, man. It's Pleasure. great to see like you behind the scenes and and get to see some you know different aspects of you. Love it. Thanks, great, guys. Dude. All the best to you. Yeah. Appreciate it very much. Feed your families. Have a good time. Punch people in the face. That's episode 16, Overdogs Podcast, Ice Bags. The GOAT at punching people in the fucking face, not wearing gloves. Mike Platinum fucking Perry. And then we had Ariel Hawani on here. I mean, we just keep going up, boys. Let's keep it, you know, keep this shit cooking. And we will see you guys next time. This podcast episode was brought to you by Overdogs Bet. Sign up today for early beta access and free play at overdogsbet.com slash beta.